right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me? The Philadelphia Eagles are the 2018 Super Bowl champions. That's right. It took a long time, but that's okay. It, it was worth the wait. Uh, I had a great time in the Twin Cities. I got a chance to see a lot of uh, my former teammates and uh, was pleased to help the team celebrate a victory that uh, – and I can say this because all you got to do is go back and listen to the show that I certainly saw it coming. Um, so I, I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely pleased. Uh, the city of brotherly love is going to finally get a chance to celebrate a Super Bowl championship from the team. The Phillies, of course, have won the World Series. The Flyers, of course, have won the Stanley Cup. And, of course, the Philadelphia 76ers, which I got a chance to enjoy that. Back in the day, watch Dr. J get him a championship him and Moses Malone, so uh, it's happening, the city, you know, one of the, probably the number one sports town in the country. Certainly the fans, no better fans than the Philadelphia Eagle fans, uh, they probably going to tear the city up, so Willie, you probably going to have to go out there, I got my man Willie Gibson with me, who was of course there uh, in uh, the Twin Cities with me to help celebrate, uh, had an outstanding um, time, we, we uh, enjoyed the cold to the best you possibly can. Maybe I should let Willie speak for himself and say if he enjoyed it or not. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that. That's that's a little different. It's a different kind of cold in the Twin Cities than than I experienced here in Phoenix. But uh, but there's something else that matters to me too. I want to pay my respects uh, to a man by the name of um, Bob Stewart. Bob uh, passed away, I believe, on February the fifth. Uh, I was not made aware of it until my daughter recently just sent me something. I guess that was posted on Facebook. I need to go take a look at that. I think I, I looked at it real quickly, if I recall. I uh, may have liked the picture of, of Bob and I. But Bob was a reporter for the Can Repository. Probably the first man publicly that said or wrote nice things about me. Um, and uh, he and I enjoyed a great relationship the entire time, you know, Probably because we only had one newspaper in the, in the Hall of Fame city, and uh, Bob was a sports writer, beat writer, whatever they want to call it. Uh, he followed me throughout my career, and then I circled back after being a high school ball player in Canton. Uh, I get a chance to circle back 10 years later after graduating from high school and come back and play for the uh, Cleveland Browns. And, of course, Bob would travel from Canton up to Cleveland. And he and I at that time would have what I would call conversations uh, he, of course, uh, never had any, I don't recall ever having to recant uh, to state that I was perhaps maybe misquoted or to state that perhaps maybe it was taken out of context. None of that ever happened with, with Bob and I. And uh, as I said, it, it was a conversation for me. You know, he made it so comfortable for me since I was a kid. Uh, I was blessed. I, I had some athletic talent in which I... I assumed that he felt that it was something that was worthy of writing a story and wanted to ask me a couple of questions. So uh, Bob Stewart, Canton, Ohio, is, uh, of course, now in fraternity in heaven up there of sports writers, and I just want to bless him and his family, and thank you so much um, for letting me spend some time with Bob. And uh, there's a lot of people out there in Canton, Ohio, that, uh, that are feeling that loss of Bob today. But... Uh, Bob was a, you know, athlete, sometimes you become close to the people in the media. Sometimes you like them, sometimes you hate them. Uh, I didn't have a love hate with Bob. I had a love for, for Bob and uh, certainly appreciate everything. But let, let's get back a little bit, Willie, with that, uh, with that Super Bowl. Now, you, you know that uh, I certainly uh, was being the homer that I am, rooting for my, uh, for my boys. Uh, going into that game, you know, there was a couple things that we, 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 we were going to talk about that we did talk about. Uh, we, we, we were fortunate to have my man Kelvin Fisher on with us, brought Kelvin in, so that you could hear it. Those out there listening could hear it from a man who every day of his life is to evaluate talent, put it to help put a team together that could go out on the field and beat any other team out there. And, and their competition many times that, that they saw in their rearview mirror because they felt they were ahead of them, uh, was the New England Patriots. And Fish talked about some of the things that they had to do or anybody would have to do to beat the Patriots. But uh, 
Certainly, I was concerned. Is that what you do? Do you are you trying to beat the Patriots? Are you trying to put your team together, the best team, or what? But uh, but Willie, if, if you recall some of the things that you said, uh, what'd you think about going into the game? Who'd you have going into the game? I, when you when we made our picks, did you did you pick the Patriots? Absolutely not. Okay, Absolutely. we're gonna have to run, but we'll have to run that back. A Rod will probably tell me at the break what how he recalls it. And uh, oh, you know, but listen, uh, all, all seriousness, I do want to echo your sentiments as well. And, uh, thoughts and prayers to the family of Bob Stewart, and uh, congratulations! Uh, thank you, to sir. The 2018 Super Bowl 52 champion Philadelphia Eagles. Um, just four more to catch the Dallas Cowboys, but I digress. Um, I um, you are true, you are, you are a true hater, I, you are, you are, you are a true hater. What's that? I said you are a true hater. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love my Cowboys. I, I truly love them. But um, <laughs> you sound no, like um, you sound like the uh, the fellow on the Big Boy Show this morning again felt that the uh, the ratings were down because of lack of appearances from the Dallas Cowboys. Will Kane, Will Kane, yeah, absolutely. So you feel the same way, I assume too. Then the Super Bowl ratings are down because the Cowboys aren't playing America's team. You said that. I didn't say that. America's team. No, they said, no, no, no. They've been promoting themselves. Uh, You know, America, you know, it starts in Philadelphia. So uh, I'm sorry. I don't really get that. But go ahead. Go ahead. You can you can call yourself whatever you want to, (laughs) you know. Right. So that's what they choose to do. But no, um, I I think some of the things we talked about last week with uh, uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Fisher, um, the defensive line was critical. I mean, the strip sack. Was what, is what everyone's going to talk about. But we talked about it last week, just the frustration of getting in Brady's face, getting that, putting that pressure up the middle. Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, those guys getting up the middle, up the middle. You know, and, and, and granted, you look at it, and Tom Brady threw for 500 yards, so you're looking at it like, well, they didn't have a great game. But it was just it was cumulative. I mean, how many times – I mean, you and I sat and watched the game together, right? How many times – and I'm thinking of that Brandon Cooks hit, especially Malcolm Jenkins, uh, put him out of the game. How many times did we say Brady took a hit? They they would show the pass downfield, but you would come back and Brady's on the turf. And yeah, that they, cumulative they, effect, I think, you know, and then uh, made a, a mark on him. And in the fourth quarter, Brandon Graham was able to uh, get the strip sack to preserve the win. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to agree and I'm going to disagree with you at the same time because I, I, I don't think the cumulative effect really got to Tom Brady. Tom Brady to the very end, as you said, with the exception of the strip sack, uh, Tom, I, I would never look at that game and evaluate it and, and say that the reason they lost it was Tom Brady. I, I think the only reason why they were in the game is because of the play of Tom Brady. Um, uh, the hit that Malcolm, I, I think that was a game changer. I, I think once uh, uh, Malcolm made the hit, um, it was on, on Cooks who, again, I'm one who believes in position production, and, and that was a lot of production that comes from that young man that was no longer there. I also believe this, too. I believe that in New England Patriots' mind, I think that Malcolm Jenkins was targeted as, um, you know, the individual which they might try to attack. Malcolm had a lot, was in on a lot of plays. And a lot of times, you, you know, as a ball player, you out there and – you know, just like a, a a receiver, when the ball, the attempts in his direction, you feel the same way as a defensive back. Like, oh, wow, they're coming my way again, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I think Malcolm and, and the rest of his boys responded, you know, in such a way that, uh, and again, they didn't have an outstanding game, but they did. They made the plays when they needed to make the plays. Particularly, you know, now that we're talking about the defense, you know, there were times there were big third down plays where, and I'm going to put the blame on the Patriots because the Patriots receivers were running routes that were like a yard short of where they needed to go in order for them to, uh, you know, get the first down. You're supposed to go past the yard marker. You're supposed to be aware of where the first down marker is at. And 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 the Eagles did an outstanding job of tap. Well, not an outstanding job because the first couple of touchdowns the Patriots got. I know there was a couple of missed tackles, but as the game went on, they got better of tackling, and there was no you know yards after contact. It was tackle, bam, down, fourth down, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, but I but I, I yeah no I I uh, 
Tom Brady, no. I think Tom played one of his better games. He had 500 plus, what, 505 passing? Right, right. That's historic. It is. It is. I mean, he, he, did, he did what Tom Brady does. If, Tom, if, think, if, but, if they win, Tom's taking the MVP trophy home again, right? Oh, clearly. Well, it certainly wouldn't have been Malcolm Butler, but we'll talk about that later. But, but yeah, I, I threw that out there because I, I have strong feelings about that. The more I think about it, well, Malcolm Butler. Uh, yeah, we, we 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 can touch that. And in fact, we can touch that now. Um, that, that's okay. You threw it out there, so I'm gonna bite on it. Um, I believe in position production. Uh, was there a lack of production uh, at Malcolm's position? Um, I don't know. I I just think that again that Nick 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 was hot. Nick Nick has been hot since he's been on the field. He's been consistently hot. The receivers. Are, I told you just going into the game. What was extremely important for me is that receivers and whenever the receivers or the defensive backs did not complete the catch, I had a problem with it throughout the game. Am I right, Willie? You're right. And so that was that. that, and that's what I I think was was key was the fact that the Eagle receivers, they were catching the ball. They were making good catches with the exception of uh, with the big interception where, again, uh, the big fella tried to catch it the second time, but he knocked it into the defensive player's hands. Uh, That was probably the worst of all. Um, But other than that, I just think the Eagles, you know, they were working on all cylinders, and and we talked about that. Uh, We talked about that with Fish, that all cylinders, whoever was going to win the game had to win at all phases of the game. And, and I think the Eagles did a good job of that. So, uh, so I, I mean, so I think the Eagles, they, deserve, they won, they deserved to win. The Patriots had more yards on the offense, but I don't think they outplayed the Eagles. What do you think about that? They had, well, they had close to at least 100 more yards than the Eagles. Am I right? Right. I mean, it was a, uh, a record, the most uh, combined, first of all, the, the highest scoring Super Bowl in NFL history. Uh, the the highest combined total of yards total in, in any game in NFL history, not just Super Bowl, not just playoff, but any game in, in Super Bowl history. So it's kind of funny to me that we're and, and just probably so we're talking about the, the defense. Philadelphia's defense played phenomenal, but they we also can flip the script on them and say that they they gave up 33 points and and allowed a 500 yard passer. But that being said, they 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 won the game. They did. They made more plays. They made more plays, and, and that's essentially what it takes to, to win. But um, they, um, I mean, they they did what they had to do. They they stymied the Patriots. Yeah, they, they, I, you, I, you said it. I'm I, sorry, go ahead. I, I think also, you know, you talk about making more plays. I think that coaches need to rethink this whole thing about winning the toss and letting the other team get the ball. Every because t- this 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 was a game of. Getting the ball and scoring. Each time you get in the ball, you're scoring. I, I think it was very few times where either team had the ball and they didn't score. And and when you get the ball and you score, regardless of if you get a field goal or if you get a touchdown, you want to come away with touchdowns against the Patriots, but you don't want to get yourself in a position and you come away with no points. And I think for the Eagles, that was a great momentum builder at the very beginning, just coming away with a field goal, but they were able to move, they established it, they were able to move the ball. And so, yep. that, and that was good. That that was good for Nick Foles. And again, I you know on the coaching, you know, the, you know comes out uh, firing from the very beginning. You know, letting letting Foles throw the ball. So I thought that was good. We got Keith on the line with us. Keith, hi. Hey, how's it going there, man? Hey, I'm going going well. Listening to you guys analyze the game, and you guys are hitting all, all on all points. Well, Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, we we want to we want to hear from you in terms of uh, you know what you think. You know how were, were you pretty excited? Uh, the Eagles uh, start off the game receiving, although of course the Patriots could have chosen to receive. They they kicked off and and we went down and scored. Now were you were you a little nervous because we got a field goal and we didn't get a touchdown, or were you happy with the fact that we got points? I was very happy for two things, and, and, you, and you guys hit on both of them. First of all, that uh, although Patriots um, won and they defer, we got the ball first. It was so important that Foles got into a rhythm. He completed that first pass, that second pass, that he got into a rhythm. He got the offense in a rhythm, and they stayed in it. Um, that, was, that was crucial. They had, they had to have that. They could not have done a three and out. 
that would have that would have killed them. Um, and they just stayed on, and they just stayed from there, and that was crucial. Um, the, both the quarterback and the coaching staff uh, were all in on on the understanding that every time they had the ball, they had to do something positive, and that it was crucial. You had to keep that pressure on for 60 minutes against the Patriots because you knew the Patriots are going to play a 60-minute game, and they did up until that last pass. <laughs> You couldn't breathe. Yeah, couldn't it was, breathe even and, on that last pass. Yeah, you're you're right about that. And that last pass, you know, uh, for those out there, we're going to talk about this a little later at the end of the show because uh, Kirk's going to be calling in. Kirk Dixon's going to be calling in to talk about that. Uh, it was certainly right down to the wire, and I'm not sure. Uh, even though the Patriots was only, um, I think they were favored by about four points, so it was less than a touchdown. But still. Um, I'm not sure people thought the game was going to go the way it, it, it went, you know. And as a matter of fact, the Eagles were leading the entire game until deep into the fourth quarter, and then the Patriots finally got up a couple points, and, and the Eagles came back. But, uh, but, but, but Keith, so you, you agree that uh, that field goal was very important for us to get that field goal at the very beginning of the game, get Carson. And, and I, I agree with you, Keith, because I said it about, you know, him being able to, to make that first pass and the complete, as a matter of fact, I think he might have started off uh, with his first. Three for three. Yeah, three for three, three or four pass complete. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah. he started off hot. And I think a lot of that now I'll talk a little bit about um, coaching because I, I believe, again, I believe that Doug did a tremendous job of getting, uh, you know, Nick prepared because he's a quarterback. And, and, and the fact that they already talked about in the week about, the, you know, they were in and, and they were um, – Watching film together, and then, and then uh, Car Wentz and and then um, Nick had a film session, you know, by themselves. They went in a little earlier, but I just think Doug's on the same page, and it looks to me like the chemistry might be a little closer between him and Nick than it is uh, between him and Carlton. But it, it was it was such like it was every time they did they called a play, they were right on the money. As a matter of fact. I was even talking about at the end of the game, and I said this to I said this to Willie. If you remember, I turned to you, and when they went down to call the trick play at the end, you know when he went, they called the timeout and call, and, and and Nick went to the sidelines. It's like, yeah, I got it. You know, they didn't even have a conversation. It was like, I got it. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm I'm, I'm good. Let's, let me go. We're going back. You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah, because I mean they were on the same page, man. It it was just it's just like that. You know, they yes, were absolutely. everything was smooth. I mean, I don't think we saw a play where the clock ran down and they couldn't get the play in. I mean, they were prepared, Keith. They were prepared. And, and I think that is something that perhaps maybe people did not think. The stage was not too big for Nick. It was, it was, it was, not, it was not too big for him. I don't think it was, he was pressured at all in terms of, you know, the pressure of the game, not the pressure from the, from the offense or, I mean, from the defense, but – the stage, the pressure of the stage, he was good. He was as calm as I've seen uh, any quarterback. And uh, certainly uh, walking away with that MVP and going to Disneyland, he, he, he certainly earned that, Keith. So, so Keith, let me ask you something. How would you feel about the, uh, the big hit from uh, the Buckeye, Malcolm Jenkins? Um, it was, in a sense, a game changer in the fact that, I mean, it took out, obviously, their immediate deep threat. Um, because Cooks was really coming on into the playoffs. Um, you know Belichick's going to reach into his pocket. I mean, this, guy, this kid Dorsett's like a rookie, but he's had some good games, and he didn't really do badly. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, took, it did take away a weapon from the Patriots. Um, it put a little bit more pressure on the other receivers that were still in the game. Um, but obviously, as you could see from the way the game went, I mean, they stood up to it. Um, but obviously, um, you're right. I think that they were going to go after Jenkins early, not so much to try and beat him, but just to wear him down to make sure that he had to do something every single day, every single play for 60 minutes. And that's tough uh, when you put that kind of pressure on, on, on a player. And I he, think that uh, he did well. Yeah, he, he definitely, um, he definitely given, responded. Given the fact that, like, you, like your boy says, I mean, it's like... <laughs> 
anytime two teams give over a thousand yards, it's hard to say that the defenses were great. Um, but I think they did the best that they could both do in that kind of a game. Yeah, but I, I, you know what? And uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because, but did it really look like the Eagles had given up five hundred yards to you? I, I didn't. I didn't feel like they give. I mean, five hundred yards. That's almost a thousand yards. I did not feel that. I felt like Brady was having some success. But I, it didn't feel like 500 yards. You know, I remember I can go back to college, and I'm like, uh, I played in a game where, um, and, one, and one of the coaches ended up being the quarterback's coach for the Eagles. Uh, but at one time, he was a head coach at University of Illinois, I think it was. And, uh, and I'm, our entire secondary is NFL players. And they, they ended up throwing for 644 yards against us. And I'm like, six? That's almost 1,000 yards. Are you serious? <laughs> but... Uh, it happens, and sometimes it just doesn't feel like that, you know. Yeah, and, they didn't uh, get anything really deep and dangerous, but they took up some big chunks of yards. Yeah, they did. That's what, and that's why I told Willie. The downs were like fifteen and sixteen yards. Yeah, just yeah. barely making it. Yeah, and that's okay. the kind of thing okay. that where you start eating up the yards. That's right. Hey guys, we're gonna take a break, uh, and then we're gonna come back. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like a man. We'll be right back after this Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail the Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, the Philadelphia Eagles are the Super Bowl champions of the National Football League. The year of 2017-18, first time in history that the team has won a Super Bowl. Of course, you know they won a championship or a couple of them back in the day. Uh, Chuck Begnerick, I know Chuck, uh, I'm sure Chuck was happy in the fellas, uh, but uh, this in the Super Bowl era, first time. You know, and it was a rematch. Um, Donovan and the fellows went down, and T.O. and the fellows went down. Jacksonville couldn't get it done then. Andy Reid couldn't get it done, made some changes. Uh, of course, Jeffrey Lurie still is, is the owner, uh, so he's got two Super Bowls, and uh, so he's uh, 500. So, But, uh, you know, during the break, uh, my co-host here with me, uh, Will Gibson, has something he wants to contribute. You know, and being a hater that he is, we're going to go there. Uh, he got something to talk about this this all this all world corner 
Malcolm Butler, that we didn't hear anything about this great contribution he was going to make to the Patriots all, you know, in the Super Bowl. But uh, Willie has something he thinks that needs to be said. So go ahead, Will. Well, no, it's, let me say this. It's not so much that I think he's an all-world corner. I just don't like the fact that this character has been assassinated since Sunday with all the speculation of why he didn't play. He supposedly went to a concert. He supposedly was using drugs. He missed a curfew. And he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. No, he, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, now, well, now he has. Now he has. He made a statement. If I, if you, if you allow me, I'll, I'll read it. Um, he says, "I want to thank Mr. Kraft." And this came out about twenty, about twenty-five minutes ago. Uh, I like to thank. I want to thank Mr. Kraft, the Kraft family, and my coaches for giving me an opportunity to play in one of the most for one of the most successful organizations in sports. I also thank my teammates as we have won a lot of games together. And all I know is winning. I have re- always respected everyone at the New England Patriots organization from custodians, staff, and Coach Belichick. In each of my four years, we have achieved conference championships or Super Bowl victories since I arrived in New England. All of this would not be possible without thanking some of the best fans in the world who have supported me from day one and always let me know how much they appreciated me here in New England. During my four-year career with the Patriots, I have always given it everything I have to play at a high level. It would never do anything to hurt my team's chances of winning the game, including this year's Super Bowl, where I visited my family every night. During Super Bowl week, I never attended any concert, missed curfew, or participated in any of the ridiculous activities being reported. They are not only false, but hurtful to me and my family. Although I wish I could have contributed more to help my team win, I have to get ready for the next opportunity. Moving forward, I would do what I have, always done to work hard and prepare for next season to be the best I can be on and off the field. Finally, I want to apologize to any offended by language reported immediately after the game during a very emotional time. It was out of character for me and my character and heart with God's help is what got me here. Is it what got me to where I am today? I can't wait for the 2018 season to get here. I will be ready. And that's all the reason I brought him up, man, because he's been getting, Blasted in the media. I mean, President. Come, I mean, we talked about it over the break. It was mentioned he was he shouldn't have went to the concert. He didn't do any of those things. And so, the speculation has been run rampant. And I'm glad he took the moment to speak for himself and to refute those. But that that Bill Belichick. It's just amazing that he's you know considered the goat. He's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking it away from him. But you got to hold coaches accountable too when they mess up. And this is a time where I believe Belichick dropped the ball big time. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this uh, in terms of Belichick dropping the ball. I, I'm going to say that uh, I, I look at this as something similar to uh, Pete Carroll in terms of the reality of what happened and you manning up and owning up to perhaps maybe you didn't make the best decision to put your team in the best position to win. Now, again, if you are starting corner and you've been starting all year long and you're healthy, I don't see any reason why you should not start in the game. I would, I, as a coach, I wouldn't do that. If my best corner on my team at that corner is healthy, why shouldn't he start? If Bill Belichick has some other reason for the kid not to start, then Bill Belichick, I think of nothing else. The fans who pay the money, you know, they, they expect to at least hear the truth about it. You know, it's like Pete Carroll when you come on, you you throw a pass down on the goal line, you got beast mode in the backfield, and you still want to keep saying that you called the best play. Oh, come on, man. No. Bill, okay, Bill, just man up. You know, whatever it is, whatever it was, tell the truth. If, if it was your principles on whatever he did, you and him had a fall. Whatever it is, just tell the tell the truth. Let everybody know what really happened. So then we could draw our own conclusions, but this is what happened. None of that, what happens in-house, stays in-house and all that, because this man is saying nothing happened. He's basically yeah. refuting all those, you know, stories and rumors that are out there. I commend him for that, standing up for himself. But, but at the same time, there's always two sides to every story. And there's some things that some other players know, too, because the, there's some players who've been asked about it, and they don't want to say anything. So something happened. What that was. How do you come to a decision? And, and, and what he said, okay, that he said politically 
the right thing he should have said. But that's not how he feels. Because how he felt, we saw on the field. He was on his knee. He was crying. Yep. And I'm sure that, you know, tears are an emotion. An emotion of either you j- joyful or either you pissed off, you mad as hell. Or you in, yep. or you in some pain. So it was, And we it, talked about that. I, I remember we talked about that during the game. They showed him. And I'm like, man, I'm thinking. No, I didn't. I didn't know. You and I didn't have that. When he's still. No, you and I didn't have that conversation. Huh? You and I did not have that conversation about him being on the sideline crying. Uh-uh, I don't recall that. So I just I figured to myself that we had a, I, he's emotional. Yeah. Like he's ready to go to the Super Bowl. He's ready to play. And we find out Bill Belichick told him on the field before the national anthem. You're not playing. Yeah, but and but the commentary, the commentators. I don't remember Chris Collinsworth saying that during the game, during his broadcast, or or my, was that Al? I don't remember them saying that. Well, we've been told that Bill Belichick reminded, or or at least told Butler that he's not going to be, not only starting playing, he, right. he played one special teams play. Right. And and what was that for? Why? Why? What is that about? Why do you throw exactly. a man in for one special teams play? What is that? Exactly. No, that makes that makes no sense. And but here's the thing about I will say this as a former player, I can tell you that his team was compromised to some degree because of the fact, first of all, that he was a starter. He didn't start the starter, and there was nothing wrong with the starter. And then not only that, from what I because I, I didn't hear any reports any different all week of practice, he was in there starting. So whoever came in for him had not got the reps all week long that he needed. So he wasn't really prepared. So Exactly. So does Bill, yes, as a coach to your team, you need to answer that. When you got the best player on your team and he's not playing, you, you, need, to, you need to answer that to, you, to your fans, to your players. That, that, that's just something uh, we have to do. We, as, you know, as those who work in the business, you have to give it your best. If you're a coach, you have to coach. You, you're, you're the ones who make the decisions. So you have to make the decisions. They can't be personal. You know, and I understand that if, you know, if there's somebody out who just last night went out and did some of the wrong things, then you probably think if he's out partying last night, then he's not prepared mentally to play the game. That, that, okay. If that's what you're, you conclude from his actions, but the young man saying no, none of that stuff took place. So, hey, Keith, you there? What, what, what do you say about that? What do you say about the whole situation with Malcolm Butler? It, it came as, a, as obviously a great surprise to, I'm sure, the whole viewing public. Uh, they did, of course, show him really crying at, at the national anthem. And um, actually, Collinsworth did say, you know, something was wrong. Because you, and then they flipped back. So they kind of did it reverse. You know, there's reason Butler's not in the game. They, they went back and they showed him really crying and, and like your man saying, I mean, that was emotional crying. That wasn't, you know, the spirit of the moment, the, the level of the game. That was, that was from within. Um, as things unfolded, you found out he wasn't going to play at all. Uh, yeah, then it's like, why? And I think both of you guys are hitting on something that, whether it's the coaches or the organization, I mean, the organization and the coach both need to not necessarily say what's going on, but they need to be able to step up and be professional enough to stop the rumors. When things start going rampant, it's like, okay, we're not going to tell you what's going on, but everything you're hearing, don't pay attention to. Right. If they had just said that. And Malcolm has done that. Like, like one thing that Willie said, to, to protect himself, his name, his family, and everybody else wanted to know that, hey, I'm a true professional about my job. I approached it professionally. I did not compromise my team. I was not out partying. I was not smoking any weed. I wasn't doing any drugs. I didn't miss curfew, you know, and, I, and I'm healthy, you know. So he's, he's taking it off on him. So he's really putting Bill Belichick in a position now where Bill Belichick's got to answer these questions. And, and I don't care if it's now or later, but it's going to be at some point in time, Bill, players are required. Beast Mode, we all remember Beast Mode had to go to press conference. And, and Beast Mode went there and, you know, he'd say something, hey, I'm here because I got to be here. He'd say, yeah, no, whatever. But Bill's a professional. Come on, man. You got to you got to give us something better than that. We no, we need more than that. We deserve better than that. Millions and millions of people, people spend hundreds of millions of dollars for commercials 
you know, so they you could sell their products, you know, but they're selling their products because they don't know there's a good product on the field that people want to watch, not a compromised part, uh, pro product because somebody's ego got in the way. I, I just, I, I, I would like to know why. I really myself, I would like to know why, but at the same time, I'm not going to take anything away from the Philadelphia Eagles and say that the Eagles only won because Malcolm Butler wasn't in the game. I'm not going to go there with well, I'm not going there, man. Nah, it was, it was, that's kind of a side, a side drama piece. I mean, it would have been good to have him in there and then and complete the win. Uh, it wasn't a dramatic. It was not a dramatic game changer one way or the other. Um, I mean, you saw both defenses and both offenses play against the playing staff, against the personnel that was in there. Uh, both teams did what they needed to do. They did what was open to them. They shut down what they could. Yeah. It's what you just said, right? It's you know for the player to find out on the field he's not playing. The backup didn't have proper time to prepare. The first touchdown the Eagles scored on Sean Jeffrey that was on Eric Rowe who replaced Malcolm Butler. And and that was a that was two great players. Uh, if you gonna talk about that, that was two great players. And and if Malcolm would have been there or not, Jeffrey just made a great he made a great play. Sometimes two players. Great players go against each other, and you got to make a great play. And he made that great play. I don't know if anybody could have stopped that one. It's just like, hey, man, sometimes it, it happens like that. Great players go up against great players, and you make a great catch. We saw, I think we saw that in the Minnesota Vikings game. You know, a great player, who had, his mind was thinking one thing, let me, you know, try to cut the dude down. The other dude was let me concentrate on the ball, catch it. I thought I was going to get tackled and bounce. I didn't. Psh, keep going. Score a touchdown. But, the only thing uh, I say about Rowe is the fact that because he was an Eagle, I mean, that probably gave the Eagles a little bit more of an edge because they know they know his tendencies a little better. Um, but not it's, it's not like I said, wouldn't have been a game changer. No, no. So uh, I tell you what, I do think was a game changer. I think Gronk's play was a game changer because uh, you know we you talk about adjustments and one thing that I noticed that when the Patriots came back in the second half, their adjustment was that we're going to feed Gronk, and they did. And in the second half, the Patriots finally got the lead. And, um, I, you know, I, he probably could have been the most valuable player of the game, too, had they had won, because he played, he played a damn good game. But the first half of the game, uh, not his best, but they, but they didn't consistently keep going back at him, back to him the way they did the second half. So were there any adjustments that – that you saw, Willie, that the Eagles or the Patriots made or didn't make that either helped or didn't, you know, help them? Well, that's, I mean, you mentioned Grock, and that definitely was, was crucial. I mean, what, nine catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that guy, he's a, he's a mismatch for anybody in the league. So, and then I don't know that the offensive line – um, and I know it's crazy to, to talk about Tom Brady and he threw 500 yards, but, I mean, the Philly D-line was there. They were there. They were, And like I said, no quarterback likes a messy pocket. They like the clean pocket where they can step up, move around laterally, and, get it. and Brady just didn't have that. Now, he made it work for the majority of the game. Again, he threw for 505 yards, but in the crucial time of the game, Brandon Graham penetrated, got through, and the strip sack that allowed them to go, to, to, uh, go down and, and kick the game when he points. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say this is, this is what I believe about players, and, and that's uh, big players step up and make big plays in big moments, you know, and that's, that's what separates, you know, the wins from the losses, the good players from the great players. You know, you want to play against the best, and when you're up against the best, you want to play your best and make the best plays. And... Uh, is that that's why you know I've had a conversation with some people about uh, Nick Foles stepping up, doing his job, and then they're, they're talking about Carl about Wentz coming, Carlson Wentz coming back and being the man. It's like, and I, I and I'm not gonna go deep into this because we're gonna have to take a break uh, and uh, probably talk about this later sometime. But you know we 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 know what Wentz could do regular season. He but but as I said to you, Willie, I think in the text, you know he he might be he might be I'm sorry he might be Peyton Manning who a lot of people think is the best, you know, regular season quarterback that there ever was. But when it came to playoff times, he couldn't always get it done. We don't yeah, know yeah. about Wentz, but we do know about Nick Foles. We know that he can, you know, finish it out and, and he can win the Super Bowl. We saw something similar 
at the Ohio State University. Willie, you, you've seen this before. This ain't your first time seeing this. No. We, we, we saw this before. <laughs> so, okay, guys, what we're going to do is uh, I believe I got to take a break. And uh, then we're going to come back for a short segment. But my man, Kirk Dixon, is going to uh, come in. We're going to talk about a few things uh, related to the game because um, uh, the game has a lot of different facets that uh, that can be addressed uh, because uh, it's football. And football is fascinating and a lot of things are surrounding football. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. And then Phoenix Living Like a Matters. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And, of course, we're talking about the Super Bowl. I uh, also want to uh, give a shout-out to my man Guy Troop and Player Networking Event. Uh, again, had a, a great event, opportunity to see a lot of folks, um, uh, a lot of energy around. We're still trying to help guys prepare for that transition from the game because, uh, you know, it's bigger than ball, and you got to do things to support your, your family your entire life as, as long as you're here. And, and even maybe when you're gone, you, you'll leave them some things that perhaps maybe uh, you've established and uh, they can continue your legacy. But uh, one thing that there is a legacy of, and that is the Ohio State University and our friendship, uh, the, how, the friendship. And I uh, got, uh, got my man Kirk Dixon on with me. And Kirk, listen, um, first of all, welcome. And uh, it's been a while since we since we've spoken uh, here on the air. Uh, yes. But I always get a, a great perspective from from Kirk. He makes me step back and really look at things and think about them a little bit. Maybe look at them from a different perspective. And um, Kirk, I, I've heard about you. Want to talk about you know going in? There was a lot of things. There was a, maybe a cloud over the game. People were, were concerned about if there was going to be any type of visual demonstration, protest. Uh, I think the players uh, in the league kind of uh, you know came to at least uh, some type of agreement. Uh, there's some funding that's going to be out there to support some programs to address some issues as it pertains to, you know, police brutality and uh, social issues uh, that, that, that concern these young men who sure. live in the United States of America. That Then there was also some concern about the product and the viewership. It, it, it's a business. So, uh, is, yeah. that you know, perhaps maybe there's a lack of viewership. They, they did say that the viewing was down 7%. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, this is one of the, it was one of the top ten shows of all time ever watched on television. Uh, That's right. Even though it was down seven percent, but uh, I think that sometimes it's a little deceptive because there are various platforms of which the content could be, you know, viewed upon. And I never hear reports about, you know, streaming viewership. I don't hear that, you know. And and then right. they, they talk about the game suffering, but there's still a demand. Obviously, I think Fox has just come in. And and they bid it, and they've got the 30s, 30s, Thursday night games for next season. So, uh, and then the product itself, 
I, that yeah. for me, that was one of the best football games I've ever seen in my life. The last play of the game, the game wasn't over until that last play. <laughs> it and, and 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 then it was it was, it was a dogfight. Oh yeah, it was like being in the arena with gladiators. That's right, that's right, and that's what people that's what people wanted to see. Uh, and I said this before too. I I told uh, Willie. I said, you know, there's a new sheriff in town, man. And Tom Brady's forty. We need a new face of the National Football League. That's that's Nick Foles. <laughs> And to some degree, no disrespect to Patriot fans, but thank God it happened and played out this way. Yeah, you got a new because man I, going because, to Disney World because, now. Because I, I actually believe there, it, I'm not saying it was a dark cloud, but there was this vibe or this sense I felt all the way to the end that the Patriots are going to do something sneaky, pull a rabbit out of a hat, and do what they did to Seattle on the last play, you know, uh, four or five years ago. Yeah. What they did last year. There was nobody who thought they'd come back last year after the half that no. Atlanta played. No. And so you have that bit of legacy. This wasn't a David and Goliath, uh, David and Goliath story because uh, Philly is real, you know. Um, but it, in a sense, that aura around the Patriot run and the legacy that they've, they've created, you know, sometimes that can take a life, uh, take on a life of its own. And I'm particularly just impressed not just with the physicality and the talent on the philadelphia side but you know it's hard to put a finger on the intangible you know that intangible feeling that you're knocking off a five-time super bowl champion in tom Brady. i mean he literally was the king oh no one gave philly a chance so some people thrive on that but some people cave you know under that pressure and then there's always that fear until the last snap can they get it done and i think the fact that they did is a story in and of itself but the other story, I think, is is that when you look at the adversity and the setbacks that had to be overcome for Philly to even be in that position, uh, so to put that together, that's what it made. That's what made it interesting to me as a fan. And, yeah. and I feel that the people who did not tune in, they missed one of the best games ever. And they'll be replaying it. The, the view, the viewership, and the ratings won't pick that up. But to your point they'll report it was down and people will try to tie that to a narrative with the kneeling and the protests, et cetera. And I'm sure while that may have caused a bit of a bump, it still was the 10th most watched program in TV history. Right. I mean, come on now. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, there's, there's, there's nothing to complain about that at all. You know, you're, you're in the top 10 and, and you're supposedly having, you know, some of your, uh, worst challenges that you've ever had with your product in terms of, you know, support. Right. And, well, and uh, your point, you're still making history. It's the streaming and it's the options that people have. Right. You know, I mean, they, they, they just have young people who uh, uh, just have so many other options, uh, uh, you know, to, to watch. So there's a variety of things that Im impact that viewership. But, you know, do not be mistaken, anything over 100 million uh, is 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 very worthwhile for the TV. So, Kirk, we got we got we got three minutes. Let, let, let's get real fast. Yeah. Uh, the nit and gritty. Now we you know we got the Boston Tea Party and we got the Declaration of Independence. You know these two teams showing up, <laughs> and uh, it, it was about that far. You know, in terms of what one represented and what the other represented too, because you know uh, you're up there in New England and you got some of those folks up there what they're representing, what they're standing by, and then you got uh, Jeffrey Lohr and his team, and uh, you know, and supporting Malcolm Jenkins and things of that nature. Um, how much of that stuff, you know, off the field stuff, you think was uh, played an impact on the game, or is it because uh, perhaps maybe uh, people just um, weren't watching the Super Bowl? They were doing something else. Uh, yeah, I think there, I think there were some that, in their minds and in their heart, boycotted it. I mean, let's face it: a lot of people who watch it, it's the only football game of the year they watch because it's a party, right? That's right? I think probably some of those parties didn't happen, or they were smaller. You know, and there are some people who talked a good game, but they were going to watch the game. They just were going to let their friends know about it. I mean, I, I check my Facebook posts, and I'm proud that I have a very diverse audience. And some folks are, are, are on the left or the right of me on this issue. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, and, and boldly said they didn't watch, didn't care. But I, I, the, the individuals who said that weren't what I would say sports enthusiasts or hardcore football people, but they were tying it into that stand. I think that there probably are some folks that really – uh, I, I feel are on the opposite side of what the protest is about. And I just feel that with all the information and education that's got out there, I just wonder, these are 
intelligent people how they don't get it, how, well, why the truth doesn't sink in, and why they don't get behind the fact that this is probably one of the most American things that we can do to get better. Yeah, well, Kirk, you know what? You know, culture. sometimes, uh, I, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm of the opinion that sometimes we don't know how to do things. Sometimes, you know, and, and communication is key. I've always told my children, communication, you got to communicate, you got to communicate, you got to communicate. You, gotta, you have to be an effective communicator. So, uh, again, I think uh, an effective communication gets a conversation started. You think at least they need to give, you know, the players from the National Football League at least the credit of getting a converse, an effective conversation Going, you know, the communication yep. was effective enough that it's got a conversation now going. And where before we were just letting things happen, you know, I used to be the yep. kind of kid I was thinking when I was younger. I would think, man, if if they ever saw this stuff on television, if they ever, you know, got video of this, or you know, somebody saw it and they, you know, they could witness it, then things would change. And boy, right. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> you know, as many right. things that we've seen on, you know, video cams and things of that nature. So, but I think we, we need to give players at least credit for this, getting the conversation going. And there may be some change coming up. And, and you, can't tell, you can't say football's not politics because there was discrimination in, in football for years, you know? Absolutely. And it, and it continues and it's getting better, but we've got so much longer to go. You know, I always love to bring in a quote from Martin Luther King, and, and, and I love the quote that he said, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But by all means possible, keep moving forward. And I think the players did, the, uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick's bravery did continue the conversation that needs to be had. Why folks don't get that a man who has worked he and so many others in the league work themselves up from otherwise humble beginnings to be at the top of the food chain of what they do and, 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 and deservedly so earn in the top 5% of what people can earn and to put all that at risk to say that the money's great, the fame is great, the prestige is great, but I got friends and family that aren't doing so great and we need to get this stuff fixed. I, as a man, cannot with credibility live my life as a facade. Okay. Hey, Kurt, listen, man, I hate to cut you off, man, but our time is out. You're going to have to call yep. me back uh, because I need my white brother from another mother to help me. We're going to do a black history show, and we're going we're gonna to talk about those things that Dr. King said and some of the things that the young man today try to live up to uh, his dream. So, uh, again, we had a great Super Bowl, great p and &E, and a great show today. Thanks to you and, and Keith and, and also Will calling in. So uh, I got to go, guys. So I'm going to, uh, as I usually do, hey, God bless my man up there in heaven. Bob Stewart, thank you for all the wonderful things you wrote about me and uh, made my mom happy and proud. I'm so proud to have known you, one of the greatest reporters um, that I've ever known in my life. God bless you up there in heaven. Um, all right, Kurt, thank you so much, man. I'll be in touch with you. OH. I.O. <laughs> there you go. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.